and welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice each week and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Thanks for joining us. We're back to our regular show. Yeah, we had a little fun with Evangelion last week, but uh, we're back to the rolls. And we're off to a good start. <laughs> because last week we hit the random button on Crunchyroll, and the show that we adopted is called Listen to Me, Girls, I Am Your Father. The Japanese title of this show translates more literally to Listen to What Papa Says. It began as a light novel series in 2009. There were 18 volumes that ended in 2015. There were also six different manga versions that all began in 2011 somehow. And several of those iterations are still going. Then there was a 13-episode anime series in 2012, as well as a visual novel for the PSP in 2012. We watched the first three episodes of the anime series because we couldn't make it through four. <laughs> Uh, and there will be minor spoilers, but they happen in the first, like, episode or two, so mm. it's not a big deal. Kayla, would you like to share the plot? Yuta is a freshman in college trying to make ends meet in the big city. After the sudden loss of his sister and brother-in-law, he becomes the guardian of their three children, Sora, Miyu, and Hina. Raising these three girls won't be easy, and Yuta still has a lot to learn. Well, Kayla, what did you think of the story for this particular show. <laughs> it's it's weird. Um if you just looked at the one part of this story, it actually could be kind of interesting and endearing. Um which is that this kid, I think they say he's like 18 loses his sister to a plane crash and thus becomes the guardian of her one biological child and two stepchildren. And he's a college student trying to make ends meet and suddenly comes into parenthood. And that could be a really interesting story. We've seen stories like this in a lot of different kind of mediums before. However... All of this is tainted by this weird romantic undertone that happens between the girls and their now adoptive father. Yeah, I mean, you could probably guess kind of the intentions of the show, even from the title, which is why we were so excited about it when we rolled it last time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wasn't sure how overt things were going to be. And this is pretty over the top. Yeah, it's probably not as directly explicit as some of the other shows that we watch. I think of like Monster Masume. However, it's not subtle either. It's sort of towing this line of what they think is appropriate for underage children to be acting like. But it's still really weird and gross. Yeah, they use all sorts of very weak methods to kind of explain away things that might be controversial. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure we'll get into some of those specifics at some point during our discussion. I also don't think this is going to be a terribly <laughs> long discussion because it's a pretty surface level show mm -hmm. and neither of us really got anything out of it. 
and probably don't have that much good to say about it. I kind of gave that away in, in the beginning of the episode, but. There is a part of the story that I would like to talk about, which is when they find out that Yuda's sister and her husband have gone missing in a plane crash and are presumed to be dead, that they're all debating on who's going to take care of the girls. And and the relatives are pretty much deciding that they're going to split these girls up. And Yuda, because of his experiences with his sister and her adopting him so that they don't so that they didn't get separated when their parents died, decides to literally kidnap the children and become their guardian. I don't know how legal that is. And it made me do some research on Japanese culture when it comes to adoption and how guardianship works. There's no just taking children. You do have to fill out these forms that they give to everybody that say, like, who's in your family. Um, and you you can't just take children and become their guardian. Yeah, that was also really brushed over in the episodes that we watched when the relatives are arguing over who's going to take the girls. I guess it's basically nobody wants to be responsible for all three of them, Mm -hmm. so they're going to split them up. And I think the show just kind of assumes like, oh, well, maybe he kidnapped them, uh, but I guess if he's willing to take care of all three of them, that's less work for us. Mm Mm-hmm. Which just makes the whole family sound like terrible. Yeah. And also makes him a criminal. So I don't <laughs> I don't know who to support here. What's worse is that he is kind of your typical starving college student. He lives in this really small apartment. He's just trying to make ends meet. And he stuffs all four of them in this they they call their rooms by like how many mats you can fill in it. So it's a six mat room, which is not very big. It's like a studio apartment. Yes. More or less. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, let's touch a little bit about his college career prospects. <laughs> so he was a first year when the show starts, had started like a few months before, and I I guess as like a literature student and this is an actual university in Tokyo that he attends, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. But one thing I want to touch on that isn't going to come up again is the Street Observation Research Society. Oh, yeah. Which is extremely forgettable because I have no idea what it is. It's the club that the hot girl that he was crushing on was in. I don't know what they do. I just know that's the club that she was in. The first episode is so confusing mm-hmm. and inexplicable. <laughs> it starts off with this research club, whatever he is part of at the school, doing utterly pointless nonsense for the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then from what I can tell, it doesn't come up again. And the rest of the show is about him taking care of these three girls. I mean, maybe it comes up when he starts focusing on college again. Yeah. Either way, uh, it seemed like an incredibly bad way to open the show and extremely off-putting. 
and it only got worse from there. <laughs> Even though it made more sense later on, mm-hmm. uh, it didn't excuse any of that. <laughs> so let's talk a little about the characters themselves. What do you think of Utah and the way he is in this show? Well, he seems very impulsive. <laughs> um, when we first meet him, he seems really just sort of average. He doesn't even look particularly interesting. He just kind of looks like your standard college student. And he he does seem kind of like overly nice to everybody. You know, he has a friend that's like practically living with him because he doesn't want to like go to his apartment, but he's not paying him rent. And he kind of almost gets tricked into this weird con that this girl plays on him. And then adopting these three girls. So he has like this really big heart and he kind of just ends up in these weird situations. I'm a little confused about him as a character because while he seems very kind, he has a weird relationship with his sister because his sister adopted him when their parents died so that they wouldn't be split up. And she takes care of him and raises him. And he doesn't really seem all that close with her. Um, In fact, when the show starts, it's them kind of reconnecting. And, like, he's meeting her child. And that's Hina. And she's three, and he's never met her before. And so it's weird to hear him talk about how close they are slash were. And then there's no proof of that. Yeah, the sister pretty much shows up because she wants a vacation and is trying to finagle him into into babysitting for her for a week. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It doesn't seem like they really had that much of a relationship to speak of. There are some other confusing things about this character, such as the fact that he seemingly has no income whatsoever because uh he was orphaned so his parents aren't paying for him to go to college and for his apartment and we never see him have a job and his relatives are like concerned about his financial situation Mm -hmm. but they don't actually say like oh it's because you have a crappy job (laughs) and you're just like barely scraping by through college right it's just like somehow he's existing And they don't explain that at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, reading into it a little bit later on, like his relatives eventually decide, I guess you're okay at this. So we're going to financially support you. And that lets them move into a house and stuff. Mm -hmm. But they never explain how he manages to raise three girls and afford an apartment and go to school at the same time, which is kind of how all the details about this character are. They're throwaway things. Mm -hmm. They're very hazy details. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information about his family history and how he came to adopting these kids, but nothing about him actually as a character. Right. So this brings us to talking about the three sisters 
And I think we should start with the oldest one, Sora. Yeah, when we meet Sora, she is like finding that Utah is going to be visiting soon. And she's very excited about it because apparently she's met him like one time before and instantly fell in love with him. She has a picture of the two of them on her phone. Right. And again, apparently he hasn't been around for three years, so she's been this way the whole time. Yeah. And she's pretty much a typical, like, Sundere character Mm -hmm. and acts crazy about him and is substantially younger than him Mm -hmm. and is sort of half-related to him. Yeah, they are four years apart from what I can tell. I know she's 14. I think he's 18. He just started school, so whatever that means. So Sora is Yuta's sister's stepdaughter. Right. Because her husband had... Two of these kids from a previous relationship. Two different relationships. Yes, right. Um, so all the girls are half sisters, mm-hmm. and Sora is the the oldest, and which means that she met him when she was like eleven, yeah, and has been crushing on him ever since. Yeah, and even within like these two episodes after they reconnect, there's already been like oopsie moments <laughs> of situations with her in various states of undress, mm-hmm. walking in on her, mm-hmm. and things like that. Yep. So, cool. In a big contrast of personality is the middle sister, Miyu. She also kind of seems like she has a crush on him. Less intensely. She's more just kind of flirty with everyone. Which is weird, because she's 10. Yep. So, there's that. Yeah, there's there's also another thing about this character, which is she takes on the, like, exotic trope, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use her Russian heritage mm-hmm. of her mother to explain away the simple fact that she has blonde hair. Yep. And that never comes up again. That's, they just introduced that to explain her blonde hair. Right. And there's details about this character similar to that of just throwaway stuff that has nothing to do with anything to explain away really stupid things. Well, and some of those throwaway things are like really obvious plot points that are going to come up later in the series like as soon as they say them you're like oh okay i know what's gonna happen like five episodes from now yeah when the relatives are all fighting over where the girls should go they mention that miu's mom is still alive unlike sora's mom and they're like oh but miu's mom's not gonna be interested in taking her and of course you're like Well, of course, that means she's going to come up. Like, she's going to come and try and split up the dot. Like, you can just see it from a mile away. Yeah, it's so obvious. Mm -hmm. Also, why is everyone's parents dead? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's again, like an overall kind of plot thing that just happens to 
simplify this really dumb story that they're trying to push forward. Yeah, because if there was any rational adults, none of this would happen. Yeah. (laughs) It'd be real easy. (laughs) Yeah. So I think the only somewhat likable character is Hina. And that's because she's three. (laughs) That's still debatable. Well, at least there's nothing romantic going on with the three-year-old. They did have a line. And apparently three-year-old is the line. Yeah, well, so that's another plot point that they use to explain something away is... Since this is a blood-related sister to him, they, you know, that's the line that they use instead of the fact that she's three. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But this character is also confounding to me for a couple other reasons. The show is just outrageously inconsistent with her level of intelligence (laughs) as a three-year-old. Yes. Sometimes she is completely unintelligible. She, you know, cannot get a sentence out. Nobody understands what she's saying. And other times she forms complex sentences with full grammar structures and then maybe like slightly mispronounces a word in that sentence. And you're like, oh, cute. You're three. Ha ha ha. Yeah, it's sort of like what an adult thinks a three-year-old would sound like. It's it's interesting because if you ever speak with a three-year-old, like, sometimes they do, like, struggle with certain words. And so I would understand that of, like, okay, you know, she struggles with these certain words or these certain kind of phrases. That makes sense, right? Like, if you've spoken with a three-year-old, you know that sometimes they get, like, common phrases, like, mixed up or they combine them with other things. But randomly, she has a stutter. Or she does kind of the baby talk where she adds, like, like wah sounds to things. And then other times she talks like a little person, like a little adult with complete thoughts. And you're right. It's just it's really inconsistent to her character. And it has nothing to do with, like, her emotional state or anything because that would make sense, too, if, like, if her grammar and pronunciation of things broke down like the more emotional she got that would make sense but no it's just like we want her to be extra cute so she's gonna mispronounce things and you're like okay sure yeah it feels like first of all just really lazy writing because it was so wildly inconsistent but Potentially even to the point of the voice actress was just given very little direction and told, hey, here's a full, complete sentence, but, you know, we want you to kind of speak it like you're a little kid. And just, like, leaving them up to on-the-fly kind of making it up, that's kind of what it feels like to me. It would be interesting to know if this translated the same way in the different, like, mangas or in the visual novel, if that same sort of communication style was done the same way with her or if that's something that was done specifically for the anime. Yeah, I was kind of wondering the same thing. Mm. The only other notable character is Raika, who has only made one appearance in the first, like, 10-minute segment with the weird club thing that he's in. Mm-hmm. And is not remotely important right now. (laughs) It seems like later on, she just kind of becomes like 
the antagonist for Sora because yeah. she gets all jealous that he talks to other women. An actual adult woman. Yeah, one his age mm -hmm. who is not related to him. Mm-hmm. Which is weird to think that she'd be the antagonist, but sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up what we have to say about the story and character. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about production. Would you like to talk about some of the production stuff of this anime? There's not a whole lot to speak of here. This is kind of a similar animation style that we've seen in a lot of these shows that were kind of adapted from various visual novels or manga or light novels. Uh, likewise, the character designs are pretty standard. In fact, I think Sora is kind of the most egregious example. <laughs> First of all, big ahoge mm -hmm. is the most obvious feature of her. And like some ribbons in her hair that just are so reminiscent of other characters that you can't quite place your finger on mm -hmm. that you could probably compare this character to a dozen other franchises and say, yeah, this is pretty much the same exact character design. I think it was interesting that they really chose to make all of the girls look especially childish, given the weird romantic nature of the show. Um, I think a lot of times what we tend to do here in the West is we tend to try to make teenagers look like adults. Um, this is especially done with live action things is that they have actual adults play teenagers uh, and in this instance, they made the teenagers look more childish. And that makes it all the more upsetting. Otherwise, I would agree that all the characters are pretty normal looking. We don't have anyone with crazy colored hair or unrealistic bodies, types or sizes or shapes or anything like that. Um... The only one that has sort of unusual hair is Miu um, because she's blonde. Right. Which isn't crazy rare or anything. It's just not commonly seen. Yeah, and we see, we see blonde characters in anime all the time. It's not unusual for an anime character, even if that's not a natural hair color you would see frequently. Mm -hmm. But it is, again, the fact that they pulled this thing out of thin air to say this is the reason this exists uh, to explain away that character design. As for everything else that's going on in the show, there really aren't a whole lot of detailed sceneries going on, which is a shame because this show takes place in a lot of rooms and there's not a whole lot of details going on, uh, which would sort of make sense if you were just focusing in on his apartment and 
showing like how lacking it was compared to other places by adding details in other places. But it's just across the board that there isn't a lot of detail put into either the characters or the scenes that are taking place. Yeah, it just makes the one bland place that you see for almost the entirety of the show seem that much more bland because everything outside still is just kind of flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can apply the same the same kind of general feelings about all other production elements. Not just like the drawing style, but the fluidity of the animation itself and how kind of rote the music is. And we kind of touched on like the voice acting seems weird because it feels like there was really just poor kind of direction on the whole thing. So what are some of your general thoughts about this show? Uh, So no, just no. Just no (laughs) on all of it. Okay. Uh, last, I think this is funny because on our last episode, we talked about Fate Stay Night and how it kind of defies all expectations that people might have had for it mm-hmm. because it turns a, an adult visual novel with all of those kinds of themes into what was one of my favorite anime series ever. Mm-hmm. And this one turns basically nothing Mm -hmm. into this weird, like, sexual fantasy thing Mm -hmm. that is one of the worst things I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, this show hits all the gross-out buttons for me. Not only does it have this weird child-adult romantic relationship thing going on, but it also dabbles in this sort of incest thing as well. And they try to write it off as, well, they're not actually related because they're related by marriage. But somebody who like grew up in a really blended family, that's weird. It's weird. And his relationship with his sister is already kind of strange because she's his sister, but she's also kind of his mom. Yep. And so these kids are sort of like not his nieces, but are kind of like his sisters. So it's just weird. It's weird and it's uncomfortable. And it just made me feel gross watching it. Yeah. And then they kind of become his daughters. Yeah. And so it's just everything. Everyone is everything and everything is permissible. And who cares? It's gross. It's gross and it's weird. It's weird because they're showing... In contrast to this, like, daughter-father, brother-sister, uncle-niece relationship as being in contest with this more appropriate relationship. And they're almost trying to get you to root for the more incestuous relationship. And I don't want to root for that. I want him to be with somebody that's more appropriate for his age and... And, you know, not immediately in his family. Right. So we've already given up the <laughs> the answer that we would provide to uh, whether or not we would watch more of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an obvious no. Yes. And I think on top of all of the things we've talked about already that are just gross and weird and 
it's like inconceivable why this would be something enjoyable or something that somebody actually thought of and created. But it it just kind of makes me sad too because I want more wholesome anime about like raising kids. Yeah. Uh, it's not common. There are, there are a couple good slice of life shows that uh, I've heard are really good, like father daughter mother relationship kind of stuff. Um, but the, it's something that's uncommon because we see so much high school mm-hmm. that having a normal healthy adult like marriage or uh, a child raising kind of scenario is pretty uncommon to see. Yeah, like I was saying before, I really wish that this show could have just been about this kid who takes in his nieces slash sisters and raises them as somebody who's only a few years older than them and doesn't know what he's doing and watching him figure out how to be not only an adult, but how to be a parent to these girls that could have been a really nice show to watch. That wasn't this show. Yeah, and you can still do it with comedy, mm-hmm. and it can still be just a funny show, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be gross. Yeah. And I don't think that's too hard <laughs> or too much to ask. You would think, but apparently. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it for this week. Let's just put this one behind us. If you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. You can send us questions and comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Our username is anamondaycast. And you can find links for that on our website. Thank you so much to Crunchyroll for all of the anime you provide and for the random button which produces these wonderful and wonderfully terrible results. If you want to follow along with us each week, we'll have a link to the current title on our website and social media, and you can watch what we're watching. Or you can choose to not watch the things that we have to watch. (laughs) We will watch it so that you don't have to. Exactly. (laughs) Finally, thanks to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show, which come from the Senpai EPs available on his Bandcamp, and all other places you might find music like that. Okay. Are you ready to roll? I hope so. (laughs) All right. Random button in three, two, one. Our anime for the week is Tribe Cool Crew. Okay. And the name of the first episode is called The Moves of Fate, The Two Meet. This appears to be a show about dancing and parkour. Oh, I can get behind that. <laughs> this anime, this animation style looks really interesting. Yeah, it looks a little like younger audience, perhaps, mm. but it does look like probably a little bit higher quality than maybe some of the <laughs> younger audience shows we've seen. Yeah. All right. Well, probably more wholesome. <laughs> well, let's hope so. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
the relatives are trying to decide where... What is this crazy look that you're giving me? <laughs> I, my eye is twitching. Oh, okay. I'm going crazy. <laughs> you look crazy. I, I was like, is he going to kill me? Is this what is about to happen? OK. 